Hello, everybody. I hope that you're having a good day. I'm glad that you've returned for another one of our chats. I am your host, Barry Carolus, and you are listening to Pa de Chat, Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 13 plus years of experience for anyone from professional dancers to those without any experience in our art form at all. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Today I am broadcasting to you from New York City, and we've had a very proud week here at Pod Chat. We have moved to the front page listed as new and noteworthy of arts podcasts on iTunes. We are currently listed as number 8 in arts, and number 21 in business, and 69 overall in the new and noteworthy category, so it's a big achievement for us. Your support, downloads, ratings, and reviews have helped us get there, so if you are loving what we are doing, please continue to share that love with us. I'm in town today taking class and actually soon heading downtown to watch the talented students at New York University, or as we call NYU, perform some of their own choreography at a performance. I've never seen the dancers of this university program before, but I have high hopes that they will provide some inspiration and successfully show a developing young class of future professionals. Speaking of success, I want to devote this episode to this very construct. I've had many conversations with friends about this over one or two many beers. In such a young art and profession, any dancer who has become a professional has already experienced a great deal of success. There is so much hard work, dedication, and competition to obtain jobs, so just getting a job is pretty successful. I find it fascinating to look at the social and personal constructs of success and how it becomes more difficult to obtain and sustain the more successful you become, especially when you start gaining success at such a young age. Nearly everybody has heard those stories. A 16-year-old dancer is discovered by ballet master-in-chief Peter Martins at New York City Ballet, and he names that dancer a principal dancer before they even turn 20 years old. Or a preteen posts a video on YouTube of himself singing and gets signed for a record deal. In fact, most of us in our field were inspired to begin training in our art or began to pull more focus into our studies after hearing similar glory stories. While we may not all strive to be these people, who doesn't want to be showered with accolades and affection of fans under the premise that they are a youthful prodigy? As a culture, we glorify these kids and emulate their gifts. But more often than not, we indirectly engage in what is the downward spiral of these prodigious artists. Why is it so common for young, talented artists to struggle with their art, their decisions, and their lifestyle choices as they grow into adulthood? While I wouldn't consider myself one of those prodigies, I have experienced the pressure of being very successful at a young age, as have many of my colleagues. 
Many professional ballet dancers are hired before they are legally adults, and even more are considered seasoned before they can purchase a drink at a bar. By the time a dancer enters their 30s, if one even makes it that far, they are considered over the hill. Due to the spotlight and short span of time our careers cover, successes are usually great, lauded publicly, and die out pretty fast. Just making it into such a cutthroat profession is already a great success. And since this all happens at such a young age, nearly all dancers are used to the feeling of success and the impression it makes upon non-dancers around them. I was speaking to one of my closest friends a while back, and she left Pacific Northwest Ballet, where we both danced for a handful of years, a year after I, I did to pursue a broader perspective in the world of dance and also to try her hand at acting. We have both endured struggles since we left the comfort of our big company, some simply being life-related and others relating to our struggle to find our new place in the dance world. In the process of being each other's support system, I had responded with what was just a thoughtful response to a comment. Her response was so insightful. <laughs> that thought is what inspired this discussion, and I would like to share it with you. Being super successful young is a lot of pressure as you get older. Maintenance of those feelings becomes exponentially harder to maintain. That's what I told her. As professional dancers, we are all super successful just for achieving a position in a world that offers so few job opportunities. It's human nature to keep pushing forward and growing. People want cities to become bigger with taller buildings. People seek to find the most cutting-edge science and technology. And people want their salary to continue growing. We're in innately wired to push forward and want more. If a teacher makes $50,000 a year at their job and decides to leave that profession, they probably don't feel very good about taking a job that only pays them $30,000 a year. Granted, if it's their dream job and it makes them happy, I'm sure they don't mind, but for the most part, they're going to want something that's going to grow beyond $50,000. I experienced this struggle after leaving my job at PNB. That's what we call Pacific Northwest Ballet. Uh, you'll notice a lot of companies often will take their name and, and use the letters, the first letter of each one. I can't quite remember what that's called. Um, but moving on, <laughs> not only was my salary one-third of what it had been, our productions didn't have a live orchestra, dance publications weren't writing about the productions I was dancing in, and sometimes our audiences were at most 400 people, and that was compared to the nearly 3,000 people that I was accustomed to watching us dance in our theater in each of our shows in Seattle. As I began freelancing, even my successes started to feel like failures. The first time I got hired for a job, which I made happen on my own, I felt elation. And by happening on my own, I mean when I had found my own freelancing work. By the 10th time, I wasn't happy with the quality of the jobs that I was being offered. And at another point, I danced one of the most accomplished performances of my career, but there were only 60 people in the audience. This made me feel like it was less valid than, say, had thousands of eyes been watching. Everything started becoming a comparison game. Well, the success wasn't as big as my thrilling debut as Puck in Balanchine's A Midsummer's Night Dream, I would think. So it must have been a failure. This can be the biggest challenge of being successful. Comparison of successes. Is a success a success? 
Or is a lesser success a failure because it is not a step up on the success ladder? Let's take Justin Bieber, for instance. I love him or hate him. He gives us a great example of this idea. He is incredibly talented. Nobody can deny that. And he was discovered on YouTube at a ripe young age. I think he was 13 years old, but don't quote me on that. Um, but he was discovered on YouTube singing and playing the guitar. Being discovered was really his first great success. After that, he dropped his first album, and then he had his first tour, and he's won awards for his music and crossed over into a more adult fan base and even garnered millions of dollars in the process. But I remember a few years ago, he was arrested for a DUI in Miami. And over a period of time, we watched this talented young artist become really the male Lindsay Lohan of the tabloids. He was considered out of control, hanging out with the bad people, doing drugs, having a god complex, I heard somebody say, and a lot more. But if we take a step back and see what is going on, I would say that he was really just a victim of his own success. His successes have been so great that it became nearly impossible to live up to his own record. To the public eye, anything that he was achieving was barely noted for recognition unless it was perceived to be greater than what had happened before those failures that people were noting, at least publicly. The stress of success is great, and how does one cope with that? Bieber's story is not the first, nor will it be the last. On the dance side of things, we can look at Gelsey Kirkland's rise to stardom, her fall into drug addiction, and that fall from grace after that. This story is documented in her book, Dancing on My Grave, which I read when I was maybe 14 years old. It's a really great book. Um, And Gelsey was lucky that she was able to survive the demons of her own success. Not only did her career end way too early because of it, she practically fell off the face of the earth in regards to the dance world. Only a a handful of years ago did she reemerge to open her own school, the Gelsey Kirkland Academy of Classical Ballet. That extensive hibernation was probably what it took to give her enough time to stop comparing her former successes to her current successes and to really focus on a great new endeavor. I remember a few years ago, Darcy Bustle, who uh, is a famous former Royal Ballet ballerina, she... I remember her being quoted in a newspaper article. She said, at least I'm not being compared to everything I've done in the past. And that spoke about a deep depression that she went into after retiring from the stage. Inevitably, the pressure of others' expectation of her ever-growing success became too much to bear. And it became her own standard, expectation and pressure as well. And I get that. The biggest challenge of being successful is the way that people view you. At first, gaining praise for success feels good. This motivates us to push harder, to continue the flow of positive feedback that received that praise. If one continues to achieve on a linear level, praise will disappear as the achievement loses its excitement and becomes old news. This is when sometimes people will call call you a has-been. Uh, As one's accomplishments grow larger and more exciting, there is less room to grow and greater expectation to continue that growth pattern. By the time an artist reaches the pinnacle of their achievements, there must be a fall. 
Success is fleeting because a singular success is not sustainable over a long period of time. Public pressure, whether national, local, or international, can put so much stress on a person that they may begin to collapse. This leads to depression, burnout, and possibly self-destructive behavior, just like we have seen with so many child stars of the past. How does one avoid the pitfalls of young success? It's probably pretty challenging. Uh, first and foremost, successful artists need to surround themselves with people that love them for who they are, and not what they are. At times, artists may come off as cold or awkward when you meet them, and this is usually for protection. It's a way of assessing whether somebody wants to get to know them, or if they really just want to get to know what they can do for them. Assessing friendships and finding people that one can trust are pertinent to keeping a level head, in my opinion at least. The next step is to stop comparing successes. For me, this is the most challenging. When you start comparing successes to one another, the excitement of big successes doesn't last as long, and the more common and often occurring smaller successes don't hold you up to keep you on a straight path to the exciting bigger successes. One of the last things that helps keep oneself on track is to find a third party to speak to that really has no stake in your success. I try nearly every week to see a counselor to help me cope with the stresses of working as a traveling freelance artist, who I'm rarely in one place for more than a few days or even weeks. At this point, I'm traveling back and forth between New York and Philadelphia every few days. My counselor doesn't just listen to what I, I may not be able to share with most people, but they offer support, insight, and exercises to help me cope with my successes and failures, and the only stake that they have in offering that support is that it's their job. While our culture looks at young success with wide smiles and the highest praise, it also relishes watching the downfall of the adult version of these young successful artists. Many of us strive to become those artists that are at the top of our game at the earliest age possible, but steady success as we grow older seems to be really underrated. Glory is amazing, but stressful, <laughs> and potentially dangerous without the proper support, especially for young people. I mean, look at the rise and fall of the young Sergei Polonin, who was being called the next Nureyev of our generation. He ended up locking himself in a bathroom at work tweeting about heroin, quitting an enviable position with the Royal Ballet, and fighting with himself whether to continue in his art. My advice is to surround yourself with trust and love and stop comparing yourself to yourself. You are who you are today, not yesterday. And the biggest lesson I have learned in my 32 years of life and 13 years as a professional has been that my biggest successes are my trophy successes, and my failures are more often actually successes that I didn't give enough value to when comparing them to my bigger achievements. Be kind to yourself and enjoy all the success that you've had. Well, I think that sums up our chat about the challenges of being successful. My coffee cup is officially dry, so it must be time to say goodbye. Oh, that rhymed. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. 
And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. My friend James Whiteside, who is a principal dancer with American Ballet Theater, will be launching a new podcast on our network this coming Monday called The Stage Right Side with James Whiteside. So be sure to check that out. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, on Instagram, where my name is B. Corollas, or Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blog, Life of a Freelance Dancer, where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for over four years. I also have two YouTube channels. B. Corollas features my choreography and choreography, that's core-ography features my choreographic web series that tells the life-defining stories of professional dancers through revealing interviews and choreography. Additionally, if there are any topics you'd like for me to chat about, if you're interested in my choreography or teaching, or if you would like to become a sponsor for Pod to Chat Talking Dance, you can reach out to me via my contact page on my website, www.barrycarollis.com. That's www.b-a-r-r-y-k-e-r-o-l-l-i-s.com. Thanks for listening. I hope you return next Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.